Laughing Dead contains comedians talking honestly and openly about their worst gigs. So yes, it does contain cursing. Hey, welcome to Laughing Dead. This is me, Sammy Shah, the host and comedian of this podcast about comedians telling their worst gig stories ever. If you have not yet, please do hit the subscribe button so you can keep getting more episodes. Today, we're going to be talking to to immigrant comedians, which is a topic very close to my heart because I too am an immigrant comedian. I'm from Pakistan originally and then I moved to Australia in 2012 and it's a weird thing being what I am. Every time you step up on stage, initially at least, you're very aware of the fact that you're not local and sometimes the audience makes you aware of that and sometimes the MC makes you aware of that. It's something you can't escape. Yet, Some great comedians come out of their ability to deal with that topic, sometimes escape it, sometimes overcome it, and sometimes embrace it. I'm going to be talking to two of those great comedians today. One of them is Ivan Aristigeta. Eh, 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 eh. Hola, 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 hola. Let's do this. From Venezuela, who's now in Australia. And the other is Dilruk Jayasinha from Sri Lanka. (laughs) (laughs) Never in my mind did I think that's what he was talking about. And man, have they had some bad gigs, which is why we really are here after all. The cool thing about Ivan is that much like me, he didn't start off in comedy. I, You know, the, a lot of immigrant comedians start off doing something else and then come to comedy. My own journey began with advertising and journalism. Ivan started working at a brewery in southern Venezuela? Northern Venezuela. It's outside Krakow. It's, Krakow is not in Venezuela. Caracas. It's outside Caracas, according to my producer right now, who does not know where Venezuela is. So this <laughs> is... This is... Yeah, shush, we're doing the show right now. This is Ivan Aristigera. I wrote a, a keynote okay. about adapting into a new culture. So um, they, they, they offered my show to this company because they, two, two companies were merging. And it was great. Let's new work do. culture. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's so get this going. They, let's use the the examples of adapting to a new culture, so you can adapt. And uh, I thought I, I had a a good product. Yeah. And they sold it well to this company. They were having this, you know, the companies they get like a, a week of, of training and 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 activities together, so they bond. And uh, this is a new company and this expensive hotel in Adelaide Hills. Uh, um, the, I was supposed to go on at nine o'clock after dinner. And when I arrived, uh, they told me that they have been drinking since 10 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Never a good sign. <laughs> no. So I go, so you've been drinking and you, you booked me to do the keynote. So they must be, they, they, pay, they have to pay attention. Should I just do my comedy? Yeah. And they go, no, 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 no. We want you to do the keynote. So, and the keynote is then serious. It's a serious keynote with yeah. jokes. Yeah, but, yeah. But you, you have a lot with of... With a point. And, with yeah. A, yeah. And then I see the place, you know, the typical... Uh, um, with, the, uh, with the round table seating? or Round table okay. seating, the big go. ones, like 10 people per table. Mm-hmm. And there were like six or eight tables. And the big boss, the typical, stereotypical big boss of a company, he was the tallest and the fattest man yeah. in the room. <laughs> with the hairiest chest. <laughs> it's visible as well. One <laughs> button's yeah, open. His yeah. Jabba the Hutt was there. He yeah. was Jabba the Hutt. He was ruling... You know, the, his people. That's yeah? right. He was the king. He looked like a king. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he acted like it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, uh, I didn't know he was the king. So I start doing my thing. They don't pay attention to me. And one person, I remember, I don't remember what he said, but I remember he he was very uh, rude to me. And I was like, why are you saying that? Where are you from? You, you've got an accent. This is while you're on stage. 
it wasn't not even not even a oh. stage. It's just a floor. Like he's just uh, being rude to you in a conversation. Uh, uh, w- no, no. When I was doing my thing, but not okay. uh, not on stage. But yeah, okay. when I was uh, performing. Yeah. And uh, I go, w- where are you from? You've got an accent. You go, I'm from Canada. I like, are you being rude to me? And you're Canadian. You're not supposed to be yeah. rude. You are Canadian. And uh, from there, everything. <laughs> so I keep talking. No one's paying attention. I go, should I change? To just comedy? Did you want to do just comedy? Where's the boss? And the boss, you know, the King Robert Parathian. Yeah. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, no, don't do the jokes. Do the message. I want you to say the message. You're and not- everyone's talking throughout this. <laughs> yeah. No one's paying attention. Yeah. yeah. And then Robert Parathian goes, you're not funny. He starts heckling Oh, me. Jesus. <laughs> and, I, and I just, okay, they pay me very well. Just keep talking. And then in, in, the, in the middle of my, I just keep talking. They're not paying attention. I want to kill myself. And then this woman in the middle of of, uh, one of the middle tables, she wasn't at the back. She goes, guys, guys. And then, you know, I have no idea about AFL or footy, but she goes like, we scored and we qualify something, something, and we're winning. The points in the main of the the runs. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And everybody goes, (laughs) yeah. So I was heckled by (laughs) By a footy game. (laughs) And then I go, why are you saying that? And she was the boss's wife. So I got heckled by the boss, by the boss wife. They all hated me. (laughs) At the end, I I decided to do the songs, you know, have uh, the Akataka with Maracas and Merengue Matilda, just to to finish with something. You do the the Latino versions of Of Australian music. music, Yeah, Yeah, and uh, the way I I had to plug a little speaker like you know those computer speakers like mm-hmm. little ones yeah <laughs> they so, don't have a proper sp- nothing oh I, also the mic was terrible and, and only one little like everything was like yeah toy like i was okay you don't have a uh, budget for that you pay me well okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> i have your budget <laughs> the, the money is well spent so um i play in the thing i make the songs people are looking at me like what like, are you doing? What are you doing? Why you are. are. <laughs> I, it was the first time that I felt like a proper. You know when you sell your soul to the devil. Yeah. It's like I'm doing this for money. I am a clown. I went there. I am the king's clown. Yeah. And the king was like, "Yeah, amuse me, you peasant." Uh, um, I felt terrible. <laughs> I felt really, really bad. It was one of the worst feelings after a gig. You know, in the, in our in our work, we have the. The best moments and the and the worst moments, yeah. like the 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 emotional peaks and 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 and, yep. and and how you call it trough, peak and trough, yeah. The emotional peaks and and troughs are 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 insane, are too acute, and um, that's why we comedians we have to, you know, have things like uh, psychotherapy and yeah. <laughs> meditation or alcohol or whatever, <laughs> whatever works, yeah. yeah. <laughs> This is me, Sami Shah, just popping in to tell you if you can, please go down to your local iTunes outlet, leave a review, preferably five stars. If you're going to do four, then do four. I mean, we'd prefer five. I'm not going to tell you how to live your life, but if you were going to live your life correctly, five stars is what you'd give this podcast. Tell your friends about it, tell your neighbors, tell your loved ones, tell everyone you know, and we will love you for it in turn. I started doing comedy in uh, telling jokes at work in a brewery. You I, worked at the brewery. You didn't just I, walk into a brewery and start I, doing jokes. I, I worked in a brewery. I was very afraid because I got a, a, a high position at work and I wasn't prepared. I wasn't ready technically on the brewing knowledge. And I told my boss, listen, I, I only did 
a brewing course and uh, food technology, and I don't know much about what's going on here. And he said, you're going to learn everything here. The only thing you need to do, you have to win the people. Like, after three months, I'm going to say, is this guy cool? If they don't like you, I will sack you. Oh. And this is the reason. The reason is because the, the company has a very strong union. And uh, if you work in a, in a, a, as an employee, you're not part of the union. Right. So what he pretty much straightforward told me, we want the union workers to trust us more right. than the union. So if they need something, we want them to go to you instead of to go to the union. That's right. So uh, so we don't get in, in trouble with the union. Okay. And I said, all right, let's start telling jokes. Let's make friends. Mm-hmm. And uh, I started telling jokes. And after three months, it's like, well, is this guy cool? Yeah, he, he's, he tells he's funny. Yeah, he's yeah. funny. Yeah. <laughs> we cannot trust him with our union problems <laughs> because he can tell a joke. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, I saw myself like one, one day, uh, after working in that brewery for a year, the big boss, the director of the of the brewery, he calls me. I was having lunch in the in the mm-hmm. what do you call it? the 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 lunch area, right? <laughs> lunch room, yeah. yeah, exactly. Because it's not a restaurant; it's cafeteria. The lunch area. And the cafeteria, that's right. And he's like, "Hey, uh, what are you doing? I'm having lunch. Come right now. Stop lunch right now to the main management. The main management was like a a little uh, elite." house mm-hmm. in the elite building in the parklands of the brewery because it was a massive brewery and um you have to walk a lot to get yeah. there and you have to stop eating come here right now it's like i'm gonna get sacked what happened yeah, yeah. it was a friday afternoon uh two o'clock in the afternoon and uh when i get there they have this a uh, beautiful little bar like a high class whatever like the dream it's an, it's a it's a bar at the Big boss's office. Yeah, yeah, the way you'd imagine. Right, okay. In a brewery. So I knock on the door. The boss's uh, assistant is like, no, they're in the bar. And I knock at the door at the bar. And then I get... I, I get the, the, the director and he's like, hey, oh, thank, thank God you're here. And they were having a, a paella, a, a fancy lunch, because the, all the managers from all the other companies that were owned by the same company of the brewery were having a meeting there and he introduces like uh, this is one of my new brewers uh, he tells amazing jokes would you like a beer start telling jokes okay <laughs> like yeah. he gave me a beer they was like alright start telling your jokes because your jokes are good so it wasn't it wasn't a stand up it wasn't my jokes yeah. it was just you know in, uh, knock knock jo- like knock, jokes knock. I used to uh, develop a lot like <laughs> extend the, the jokes a lot and do a lot of act outs and a lot of impersonations mm-hmm. and put other stuff that I do and uh, they I stay there for three four hours and I saw wow I'm I'm making a living out of telling jokes yeah because I'm not working I told my 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 direct boss I'm with the big boss and yeah, he's yeah like okay there's nothing he could do yeah <laughs> I'm telling jokes to the high management and it, it was great. All right, cool, and it yeah. worked, and and that uh, that and was where the comedy started. Then. That's where the comedy started because uh, uh, around those uh, around that date, a friend of mine told me, "Listen, in Caracas, in the capital city, I wasn't living in Caracas. The brewery was in in Valencia, in another city. It's like they're starting to do open mics and and stand up comedy in 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 a little place in Caracas. You should come because I know you can do it." It's Courtney here. I'm the producer, and I thought it was my turn to butt in because, well, I do know where Venezuela is but I've never been to South America. Where Ivan is talking about driving is 167 kilometers. That's over two hours drive just to do a comedy gig in Caracas, the capital. Now, from Valencia to Caracas, a two hour drive just to do what might've been five minutes of stand up and hang around for the rest of the night is pretty dedicated. Now, if you don't know where Venezuela is, like I didn't, 
possibly a little while ago. It's just next to Colombia. So as you see the tip of Mexico come down and sweep across below Cuba and below the Caribbean Sea, and you go across the top of South America, and there's Venezuela, a Caracas in the north. So Sammy was right about the north. How long were you doing comedy before you came to Australia? Uh, I was doing comedy for about five, six years. Okay. And uh, yeah, uh, well, let's talk about the visa. Yes, let's talk about the visa. Okay. I didn't apply with my Venezuelan passport. Oh. I apply with my Spanish passport. You sneaky bastard. Because it's it's a lot easier. I think I I would have had the it, same If you had gotten the if you used a Venezuelan <laughs> passport, you would have been sitting in Northern with me. <laughs> yeah. In country WA. Yeah. All right, instead of a place with 7-Elevens and and late night food. Do you deal with a with a migration agent? Yes. I think your migration agent wasn't that good. As no, we no. found out later that the migration agent basically got us the cheapest, easiest, quickest visa that he could oh, get okay. so he could keep the most money. Oh, okay. Because in, in Venezuela, you had this big... Uh, um, there is a, uh, an Argentinian organization. They, they are migration migration agents for Australia. They go there to a big hotel and they do this forum and to, to mm-hmm. tell you how, how awesome Australia is. And they, they get a lot of clients because they know how terrible Venezuela is. They sell the opportunity to, to move to Australia. And you have to pay a lot of money. And we got the same 475, but we got to choose between Adelaide and Canberra. Wow. And <laughs> what did it say about Canberra that you still chose Adelaide? <laughs> I chose Adelaide. I did my research. Yeah. And I, and I think yeah. I did pretty well just going to Adelaide instead of All Canberra. Right. Okay, so, because here's the thing. Like, when people, no one ever asks you, why did you leave Pakistan to come to Australia? Because it's a given. Everyone knows the way Pakistan is and the conditions in Pakistan. Is, especially, like, they're better now, but when I was leaving, they're pretty bad. But I'm sure people used to ask you. A lot. And uh, now maybe not so much though. Maybe not so much, but now now they understand what's happening because he's on the news. But uh, nobody knows much about Venezuela in this part of the world, and, yeah. and the reputation of Pakistan has been there for longer. That's right. Uh, we, that we worked hard <laughs> at it. We 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 focused on our PR. You know. But but for most Australians, they hear Venezuela and they know it's in South America. They have this thing about South America and Latin America. They think that's the best part of the world is 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 the Valhalla and they go oh, that sounds amazing Venezuela tropical country you dance salsa that's beautiful it must be beautiful why yeah. are you here in Australia you, you have no idea what you're talking dancing about dancing salsa doesn't feed me <laughs> exactly <Yeah. laughs> there's a thing you have to overcome of I'm not I'm not another bloke Right, yeah. and you have to kind of establish your credentials. Has it ever failed? Have you ever had the racist experience? Uh, no, I haven't had the racist experience um, directly. I have, okay. uh, I have the, the you know, the uh, I call it passive. Uh, yeah, passive uh, racism, sure. But, but but you know, I understand where they come from. I I, I have a lot of uh, of uh, you Mexican and cocaine, and mm. they ask me that after shows because they they want to talk to me because they enjoy the show. Yeah, and they go, hey, so you have cocaine, and they were, they repeat the 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 jokes and uh, the. Uh, I've, but I've, the, you're right. That is their way. Like, because that'll happen to me sometimes. They'll be like, "I love naan bread." <laughs> you know, I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. but it is them genuinely not knowing how to connect with you because they want to connect with you. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah, what Ivan and I did not get is lucky. The way our next guest got lucky, and that's Dilruk Jayasena. He also started off doing something else. 
Okay, yeah, so I used to do be an accountant, one of the big uh, four accounting firms. And the reason why so many of us immigrants end up doing these real jobs before we get into comedy is because our parents just want us to have you know, reliable sources of income because they love us and they worry about us. And where we come from, comedy isn't a reliable source of income. Some might argue it isn't a reliable source of income over here either. But, you know, it's slightly more so than we're originally from. And talking to Dilrook about these things kind of really reminded me of my own journey from very cautiously telling my parents initially that I'm thinking of trying comedy to 10 years later being able to tell them I think I'm just doing comedy now and I think they still are a little bit worried about my future which to be fair so am I anyway this is the look just I was a very studious kid I was very uh, uh I I remember at a very young age wanting money and as, <laughs> <laughs> I was greedy. Yeah. Well, I just, right, yeah. you know, I, I just wanted You're a to capitalist. be wealthy. Uh, yeah, okay. Oh, massive capitalist. And I wanted to be wealthy. I think uh, our family, uh, there's me, my brother, and my uh, mom and dad. Uh, we were, when we were very young, we weren't well off. And then mm-hmm. over time, sort of, you know, dad started to do fairly well. And we, we were very comfortable. Um, but in the younger years, there was definitely that feeling of there was a lot of people around us who were richer yeah. and were able to afford more toys. And I think I wanted to be able to afford toys <laughs> right. and go to Singapore and Disneyland and all these things. Every child's dream. Yeah, 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 yeah. Growing up in, a, in, in, in Sri Lanka, you know. And uh, uh, then the so for me, the, the link I had with money was you need to have a good job. To get a good job, you need to study. To study, you need to study hard. You know what I mean? Okay. So I would work my ass off. So from about the age of, I reckon, 94, 90, so about 10, 11, I used to like close to, close to exam time. Since yeah. 11 year old, I'd wake up at like four o'clock in the morning, study before, Whoa. go to school. And then, you, you know, like you were hardcore serious. Oh, totally. Yeah. Massively. Yeah. So I'll take, give you an example to context, give you context of what type of kid I was. Uh, to, to one of the final exams, the London A-level exams that I used to do, there was a maths exam that I came back from, mom picked me up from the uh, exam hall and I was just, just about to cry I just yeah. sat in the car and was really upset and mom's like what's wrong and I was like oh, I don't think I got a hundred on that one <laughs> <laughs> like what kind of wow. asshole what kind of asshole gets upset for not getting a hundred <laughs> right. but that was the level I was operating on yeah. I'm like well I know cause especially maths was some, my favorite subject and maths is the only one I truly still believe you you can't you can't screw with it. Like if it's right, it's right. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't yeah. matter what mood the examiner, the the, the you know the, right. the person who's marking it is in. It doesn't matter what mood I'm in. This has to work because it's the correct answer. Well, see, I can give you an example where that didn't work because oh, really? um, I, I wasn't very Do you good have at math. Different rules in Pakistan. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> two plus rules. two equals purple. <laughs> no, two plus two equals Alhamdulillah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like that's it. <laughs> The interesting thing that happens when you're an immigrant comedian is when you get up on stage, initially at least, you're very aware of your immigrantiness. That's a word, don't argue with me. You, you, you know that the MC might say it, he's from Pakistan. The crowd is like, why is he not white? Like there is that kind of reaction which you have to overcome initially. And figuring out your relationship with that issue is a very important part of the story or a very important part of being a comedian. There were times when I was heckled with very racist taunts only because I was an immigrant comedian and I had to deal with them. And I think learning to deal with them is what made me a better comedian. I'm not grateful for the taunts, obviously, that way. But, you know, they are what happened. Two, two weeks ago, I was doing a gig at the MCG. And mm-hmm. uh, it, was, uh, it was a show that's on before the game and the game was Richmond 
uh, Collingwood and also all the all the crowd is one of those two yeah. teams. So I was like, you know, oh, who's 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 for Richmond? Cheers. Who's for uh, Collingwood? Cheers. And like, you're you're up in one of the VIP rooms, or yeah, or? and. Uh, and I said, well, guess which team I'm in. And I back for Horton. Horton's won the last three years in a row. So it's a very, like, an arrogant position. Like, I'm higher status at okay, that moment. Okay, then, yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. So as soon as they say, oh, well, I back for Horton, the whole crowd starts booing, which is great. Which is Yeah, which exactly is the reaction what you the want. The reaction yeah. that I was expecting. I was yeah. like, yeah, bring it. I don't care. I've got three premierships. Who cares what you think? Whatever. And it's really fun. And they're like, you know, booing. And then one guy just goes, fuck you, 7-Eleven. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> <laughs> we just went from zero to a little too hard. We went from yeah. zero to one hundred very yeah. quickly. Then. Yeah. All for once, the way we play at home. We are the mighty fighting horse. I had this conversation once with a British comedian. And he was also in Perth performing and he said, Oh my god, it's so cool that we have that in common. We're both immigrant comedians. And my only reaction at the time, which might have been slightly unfair, but I still don't think so, was you're not an immigrant comedian. You don't, your experience doesn't count. When you walk on stage, at most they'd be like, oh, he has a British accent. There's not much for you to overcome when you're from another Western nation. There's more for you to overcome, I feel, when you're from a developing nation, a third world country, maybe a brown country or one of those places, because the audience has a greater reaction to that. And sometimes it's a point of frustration for the comedians. We are tired of having to address it up front, and maybe we don't need to even. Maybe that is our own fears and panic or, or insecurities kind of requiring us to do that. Maybe I don't need to go up and say, hi, I'm Sami Shah, I'm from Pakistan. The reason I'm from Pakistan is because I'm an immigrant from Pakistan who moved. You don't need that backstory. Maybe if I just launch into my first well-crafted dick joke, that's all the audience requires of me. But there is that concern that you always have. You're like, what if I get up there and the crowd never pays attention to what I'm saying because they're spending the entire time going, who is this guy and where is he from? And I think that that's something that I've seen Ivan and Dilruk also struggle with on stage, as have I. And as more and more time passes, we have come to our own realizations independently that we don't need to do that kind of front-loading. So now in my shows, I say, hi, my name's Sammy Shah, and I just start the jokes. But that's only been after four years of performing. And I think after enough people know who I am, they don't need to kind of front-load with my personal biodata. But that kind of experience of being an immigrant and starting a show and realizing that you have to really, you know, warm the audience up to who you are, I feel is is a very important lesson that immigrant comedians have to pass on to other immigrant comedians. It was the 21st of September 2013. Wow. Another reason I remember <laughs> that is because it was the third year anniversary yeah, uh, of, of, my, of, of my doing comedy, right? And it was a Saturday night. And it was, like I said, you know, I like to relish those moments mm -hmm. of uh, achievement. Yeah. Uh, like, obviously, I don't speak out loud, but in my head, I do. In your head, you're like, it's my third year. Third right. year, this is so exciting. I can't believe it. And also, here's the thing. So, my first ever gig was in the same venue. Three years later, I'm on the Saturday night show, the big main show. The big show, paying the show big, right. Big paying yeah. pro night. I'm doing 20 minutes in the middle spot, uh, Fiona Lachlan's headlining, Joel Creasy's MC. Yeah. I'm getting paid. You know, all these little Everything things. you need to feel like a successful comedian right, is in place. Right, happening, right? Yeah. And, I, and I just genuinely was just in this great moment, feeling really happy. Um, 
I usually write out a set list in my little notebook. I write it out. It's not. It's almost always, you know, at any given time. Generally, I'm doing the same material, especially mm-hmm. if I'm doing four nights here at the lounge. The way the comics lounge pro nights work is Wednesday to Saturday. You do Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I do the same material. Same, every same. Day. I right. usually, I, I usually do the same material. Yeah. And even though I'd done the same material the last three nights or whatever, I still write it out normally. That particular, night, I thought, you know what? Just relax, have fun, yeah. have fun with it, because you know, this is a this is a proud moment yeah, for you. Yeah. Just enjoy it. And I went out, and I reckon that the first seven minutes, I have never at that point, I had never gotten a stronger reaction. I think the crowd felt how relaxed I was. Yeah, yeah. There was something that you know, there's there's all these variables in comedy that are tangible. Like you know, your you know, your opening jokes needs to be strong. Moving the mic, you know, all these little things that right. we learn. But then there's also the stuff that we don't quite know yet. We don't understand. There's something you know, the the body language that you the present, the energy needs to the be energy, there. All right. those things that aren't quite tangible. Something was clicking that night, yeah. and I just had this crazy start. Like just stormed the mm. first seven minutes. Uh, at that seven minute mark, I had a new bit that uh, I had done on the Monday night at the lounge here, which is a, like, not as packed, but maybe half the crowd, and it had gone well. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know what? Tonight, I'm going to bring out <laughs> that bit from... I've from done it once before, but... Oh, a few, I've done it okay. a few times before, and the way I work usually is I work a bit in the small rooms, mm-hmm. and once it's sort of tied in the small rooms, I'll bring it to the Tuesday and Monday night at the Comics Lounge, yeah. and that's where I feel like it gets really tested, like the muscu- okay. it becomes more muscular because... This room is such a big, it holds like 500 people sometimes. And if it doesn't, if you can't keep the audience's attention, uh, if that bit, then in, in this room, yeah, then it's not as strong as it potentially can be. That's right. You know what I mean? I, I, that's at least for me, the way I work. Mm-hmm. Um, most of my strong bits become stronger once I bring it here. Right. You know what I mean? I fine tune it around, uh, sorry, like, like, you know. You and work out the language, language and then you bring, bring it here, it here, to here and really, you really punch it up. It. Really yeah. take out any noise that any sentence that isn't required. You have to get rid of it. Right. Five hundred people. The there's five hundred people who some of them, a lot of them, have been drinking since five five yeah, p.m. Yeah, yeah. or whatever on a Friday night. You have to keep their attention. Anyway, so I brought us brought out this bit, and in my head I went, you know, it's because for about four or five minutes, even if it doesn't work, right? I still have eight minutes to mm-hmm. win them back with my classic Jai Singer Gold, you know. <laughs> That's the process. Yeah. And somehow that five minutes bombed so hard. Um, they turned. They turned because uh, the, the, the back of the room um, starts losing attention. So they, they start, start chatting. Talking, right? So then, then the flow then, then on effect to the point where once I got to, and remember, this is my third year of comedy as well. Yeah. Like, so it's not like, you know, I'm someone, a master who is able to pick up on the vibe of the crowd right. and adjust or whatever, all those little skills that maybe you can develop over time where you're able to do a mm-hmm. bit that doesn't work and then bring them back. Yep. I didn't have any of them. So anyway, it bombed so hard that even the last eight minutes of material that I know is rock solid, even that didn't work. So all that I had at the end was 13 minutes of just horrible oh, death. Man. And After seven strong, great oh, The strongest I've ever had. Yeah, the strongest yeah, exactly. I've ever had. So I just got too cocky at that point at the seven-minute mark. And I remember... That was the Saturday night, and I was still working for that small accounting firm at the time. On Monday, I called in sick because I didn't want to get out of bed because of how sad I was about so the gig Saturday on night, Saturday. This happens. Yeah. So you go back to the green room. Yep. And then you go home. No, I go to the bar. Oh, you go to the <laughs> bar. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> what are you, fair. Yeah. What are you talking home, about? <laughs> yeah. Home is suicide if you go there. Yeah. yeah you know what? Bar. It's <laughs> funny. It's funny. You think I'd go. You think I'd go to the the go home to get out of it. But yeah. I'm someone who's very strong, uh, strong believer that you have to. If you have nothing else, to do, I mean, 
you have to stay and watch the headliner. I feel yep. as a someone, I feel that's where I learned the most when I was mm-hmm. starting out new is because what a great opportunity to see how a professional works in the same mm-hmm. ground that you just worked on. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, so if, so I always think you use the idea of if there was someone heckling, you know, and you had to deal with that heckler, you get to see how a professional or, yeah, you know, yeah. would work with the same True. heckler or whatever, you know? So it's, I find like it's a great learning option. So I always watch the headliner. Um, and, uh, I remember having that because Fiona and I are now mates, but at the time we just sort of just got to know each other. And she was like, oh, that was, that was good. Because normally she's very positive. Yeah. She <laughs> couldn't force it because that's how silent it became. Yeah. And she and I was like, yeah, no, I fucked it. She goes, yeah, you stormed it at the start. But, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it was very clearly just died. And, um, and um, what do you think all day Sunday then when that happens? I just watch a lot of Disney cartoons. Okay, is that <laughs> your is that your that's comfort my food? Yeah, it that's is my car, it, because it. I think it transforms back to being a child. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a bit of happy memories. It's easy entertainment. It's colorful. Yeah, uh, it's what I pulled myself out of my dumps. Okay. I watch a lot of any particular one. Aladdin. Uh, avoid Lion King because that makes me cry too much. Okay. Uh, uh, but you know, just any sort of like Jungle Book and Little Big Mermaid. Classics, just right. just something really colorful and entertaining. Uh, I feel gets me out of that okay. uh, uh, spiral. So that was Ivan Aristigeta and Dilruk Jayasinha, two of my favorite immigrant comedians performing in Australia, aside from myself, of course. Ivan and Dilruk are on Twitter and Facebook and all the social medias. Uh, good luck finding them. You have to figure out the spellings yourself over there. I myself am at Samisha. Remember, you can contact us on the ABC Podcast Facebook page, as well as hit me up on Twitter with stories of the worst gigs you've ever seen. This has been Laughing Dead, and you have been laughing throughout. You pat, I, I definitely pat myself on yeah. the back because again, I know how scared I was of doing stand-up comedy. I know how much of the, it, this was going to be an impossible dream. Right. But I still, so I take the time to appreciate, you know, all those fears going into it, and then having overcome those fears yeah, and yeah. being able to do it, and you know, now sort of say that I do this full time was a crazy dream. You right. Know? Um, so all those things I'm excited about, but you don't. You know, bang on about it every time you yeah, yeah. like, hey, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm full time comic. What yeah. about you? Oh, you got a shit job? <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah, you don't do that.